What's good, everyone? My name is Jacob Moses, community builder at Strong Towns, and welcome to the first episode of It's the Little Things, a new Strong Towns podcast where in each episode, we focus on a different action that you, the concerned citizen, the elected official, the city planner, can take to make your town stronger. This episode's action, running for city council. Think back on the council meetings you've attended. Chances are you've likely had this thought. If I was on city council, I would change this ordinance or advocate for that policy to better my community. And rightfully so. You care about your community and want to see it succeed for yourself, your family, your work, and your neighbors. Sadly, the thought often remains a narrative fallacy, revisited every time your council rejects yet another bike lane proposal. No more. In this episode, we'll chat with Kevin Roden, former six-year city council person for the city of Denton, about why you should run for city council, how to run a successful campaign, and most important, how to get people behind your ideas. Enjoy. Kevin, what's good? How are you today? I'm doing well, Jacob. Thanks. How's life in Denton? You know, Denton is, uh, it grows on me every year. Denton is going great. Good, good. I'm happy to hear it. Well, Kevin, I appreciate you so much taking the time to chat with me today. As you know, you are the first guest for a brand new Strong Towns podcast called It's the Little Things, where in each episode, we're going to be focusing on different action that our listeners can take to make our town stronger. And with this first episode, we're focusing on the action of running for city council. And I couldn't think of a a better guest to inspire and empower our listeners to run for city council than yourself, former city council person in the city of Denton, six years, three terms. It's awesome. So, Kevin, I'd love to start with why. Why, why should someone run for city council? I'm on the phone with Strong Towns readers and members all the time, and many of them are interested in running for city council, but they're already a small business owner. They're already a neighborhood advocate. And they're asking themselves, really, what more can I accomplish for my community as a council person? So, Kevin, for those folk, what would your answer be? Why should they consider running for council? You know, it's a great, it's a great question. And I've always said, it, for me and for others, I think serving on city council is just another step in someone's service to their community. And it shouldn't be your first step for service to the community. There's all sorts of probably earlier pathways, as you mentioned, you know, serving in your neighborhood association or uh, serving as a, as a small business owner in your community or doing something else on a small scale. Uh, there's all sorts of ways that I would say are just as meaningful, if not more powerful, to serving your community rather than spending time sifting through hours of, of policy documents for stop signs and something like that. So it's not for everybody, certainly. I would just ask people to ask themselves the question of, do I feel like I could be more effective kind of on the outside of government, kind of participating in as a volunteer and doing something else in my community? Because I've seen hundreds of powerful examples of that in my own community. And if so, keep doing that. Uh, but if you've got a particular knack for uh, leadership at the policy level and feel like um, you can help uh, lead your community in that unique way, I would say go for it. It's, it's, it's tons of fun if you're a policy wonk. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you like to, to think through policy, see best examples across the country, 
you also, I think, have to have a little bit of a, of a gut for uh, the dirtiness of politics. And yes, that even happens at the local level. And some people aren't cut out for that. That's fine. And it's totally normal. But the, the mix between those two things resonated well with me. Uh, and it was at a time in my life when I had the leisure to commit to it. Certainly, if, if that's what you want to do, go for it. Awesome. And I love, Kevin, how you mentioned kind of the incremental approach to running for city council. It totally hits on what we talk about strong towns also. We don't want these big transformative sweeps of development in our neighborhoods. What's the first thing we can do? What's the next step? And that totally relates to our engagement in our neighborhoods. You don't have to move to Denton right away and go straight to city council. What's the next step you can take? Maybe it's just showing up to the Rotary Club. Maybe it's joining a neighborhood association. You were on staff at UNT before running council, correct? Yeah, I was. I, I worked for uh, the Texas Academy of Mathematics and Science for a year. Awesome. So when did you know that it was time to take that next step and run for council? My first real foray in, into city politics was sitting down with my council member at the time, Charlie Higgins, an awesome firecracker of a gal from civil rights era of time and Fortunately, she lived long enough to see Obama become president. She was just an awesome woman uh, serving in our community. Uh, but sat down with her with my when I had my first child, realizing that I should commit a little bit more and said, what can I do? She appointed me to a term limits uh, charter review committee, uh, which I didn't have any idea what the heck we were talking about. It was with a bunch of people I didn't know. And so I just started serving in that capacity, eventually got appointed to the Historic Preservation Commission in our city. I eventually became chair of that. And that's when I started thinking I'd like to kind of take it to the next level. But my real start into thinking about local things was the disappearance of an historic spot right near University of North Texas in the Fry Street area, uh, where some guy had bought up a bunch of property and just sold it all off and demolished it uh, within a weekend and wanted to put in a CVS in its place. And just really uh, got a lot of young people who loved this city, but never really knew why. And when you finally saw something go away, you start realizing who's making these decisions? Who's on that board that allowed this to happen? What could we have done differently? That very time in our own city, I could, I could probably point out about 12 people that I know about my age who got into city government at one entry level or another as a result of something going away. So, so Kevin, once someone has asked themselves the questions to really dig in and find out if they're suited for a city council position... How do they get started? Is it as simple as showing up and applying, or are there additional obstacles that the general public may not be familiar with? Every city and town across the country is going to be governed by their own governing documents. And in Texas, those are charters. In other states, it's other things. Uh, so you would want to know what are the rules and eligibility requirements for you to be able to run for an office and what district are you in? Is that an at-large seat or a district specific? So there's a lot of, you have to understand the makeup of your government. And I would say probably a search on the city's website hopefully would reveal that. If not, the city secretary is a good person to sit down with. That tends to be the person that oversees those rules for, for governance and elected office. So that would be a good place to start kind of on the nuts and bolts side. I would probably sit down with your current council representative if you haven't met him yet. It's a good place to start. Ask them their opinion about things. And then next, I would kind of gather around a group of folks that uh, you're friends with or at least acquainted with in your community that you know and respect and use them as a sounding board. Say, I'm interested in doing this. What do you think? <laughs> 
you think I have a chance. Would you want me to be here? And I remember some of those early conversations were some of the most sobering conversations. I remember a guy telling me at the first meeting, you can't win this seat. <laughs> and so we had to chart a path forward to, to prove him wrong. But uh, very helpful to hear from folks who agree with you and disagree with you, especially, I think, in these times. And so important just to have a tribe. I mean, this is such a, it's a big endeavor. I know that the podcast title, it's the little things, but it, it's a serious commitment to run for council. And I can't think of a better way to kind of clear the mind and really hone in on your own vision and how you want to contribute to your neighborhood than making sure you're, you're gathering your family, you're gathering your friends, you're gathering current leaders. That's right. So, Kevin, we understand how we can theoretically contribute as a council person and get the idea of how to knock out all these prerequisites. Once we're on that ballot, I mean, what are your tips for running a successful campaign and what types of obstacles should listeners expect? You mentioned it uh, there in the lead up to that question. I think you have to have a vision. We see all sorts of examples of, of ways to come in and be angry, and you might be angry, and that's maybe why you're running for city council. And that's fine and that's legitimate. But I think at the end of the day, what really resonates with people is having a vision for where you want to go forward and what's your positive steps to make things better, even if you're running away from something in particular in your community. So I found how easy it is. And again, it's, it's, it's so easy to compare to what we're seeing on the national landscape. But negativity and getting people fired up over things and producing a lot of outrage over little things it really is easy to do and it's tempting. It's easy to pile on folks on social media. I know it because I've done it myself and I've been there, but that's not what creates longstanding, sustainable change in your community in a positive direction. And so to have that positive vision I found is priceless. So sitting down and really saying, what's my vision and, and how do I clearly communicate that through a website, through uh, having social media channels out there to communicating it everywhere I'm going and speaking to folks. So I think creating that, that that vision and communicating it is a first step of what you need to do. But certainly you need a ton of people around you to help. Ultimately, people need to be voting for you. What's difficult in a local election is you don't have, I guess we'll call it the benefit, or maybe not the benefit, of a national media focused on this race. So you might, in my case, you might be lucky if you get one article in your local newspaper about you in a six-month lead-up into a campaign, just because they're not used to running these things as horse races like you see at the national level. You've got to find a way to kind of reach into the homes of folks who aren't necessarily paying attention to this race because it's not in front of them all the time. So in terms of block walking becomes hugely important in a, in a race like this, getting out to what are some of the neighborhood meetings and the clubs and gatherings and bars and restaurants and where are people hanging out that you want to attract. But at the end of the day, you've got to find those voters. I found it super helpful to keep lists and lists of potential supporters and people who've said they want to vote for me along the way because the real trick is making sure people go from saying, yeah, I'm on, on, I'm on your team and I want to vote for you to actually showing up to vote in a local election. Where in our case, in, in Denton, Texas, uh, and it's not unlike other parts around the country, our local turnout is somewhere tinkering between 5% and, and 8% turnout. So it's, it's measly and you got to find those voters, make sure they actually get to the polls. So using simple things like Google spreadsheets to keep track of them and sending them text follow-ups and, and, and calling them and having your friends call them and inviting them to the polls and just simple things like that. But 
it does get messy during election seasons. Your your emotions are running high because you're always a little bit paranoid about what your opponents are doing and how people are responding to this, that, or the other. Uh, but I've always found what always paid off for me is being positive, being cheerful, and uh, just communicating that vision. Awesome. And Kevin, I appreciate so much talking about engagement, especially mentioning the bars, because I think about back whenever you were campaigning, what I appreciated most about your form of engagement is that you met people where they were. So you mentioned here in Denton, a lot of young folk, college town, often low turnout for that population. And instead of choosing to disregard those folk based on some kind of stigma, you chose the contrary and met them where they were. And that meant, in this case, standing on tables at the local beer gardens and sharing your message. I would love to hear how you think people can not change their message, but tweak it based on the audience that they're speaking to. Is it appropriate to change the message? If so, how do we alter it to still stay with our core values, but make sure that we're connecting with the people that we're speaking with? Yeah, and that's a that's a hugely important point of view. And I, I think you want to be authentic with your message. So I think you want your message to be the same. You certainly don't want to go. And I've seen it locally because it's not being covered well. I've seen people go out to the Republican local Republican Party and say one set of facts and go off to the folks who are more left leaning and say a whole nother set of things that they're promising both sides. It's just not authentic. It's not genuine. At the end of the day, you're going to get caught <laughs> doing some stuff. So, but to me, certainly, I think what, what's concerning a senior citizen in a kind of an established single family neighborhood is certainly going to be different than what's concerning a 23 year old who's just out of college who you're hanging out with at a local bar uh, who's wondering about other things and employment opportunities and what's the art culture look like in our town and whatnot. And that's okay and that's good. <laughs> and to the extent that you ever have an opportunity to connect those two audiences, even better, right? You're helping to build your community because we need everyone at the table. But you're going to find what is it that that senior citizen needs versus what is it that that young family needs versus what is it that that college student needs uh, and how does my vision kind of connect to them. But you just got to be out there and you got to be not only talking, but actually more importantly, listening in developing your platform and your ideas. I mean, anyone will tell you when you come out in the first, you've got all these ideas and you're, you're probably a little bit arrogant. You've got a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. And I found I was humbled very early on to realize, wow, I'm not the only one to come to the table with these ideas. Now, yeah, it's crucial. And the only way to do that is to, is to meet people, like you said, uh, where they're at, whether that's in a, in a restaurant, in a music venue, or in their front door, uh, talking to them and their kids. Well, Kevin, this transitions well into the next question. Once a potential candidate gets selected, what's the right mindset that they need to adopt before they're sworn in? Because you talked about, hey, I have these ideas. I'm going to come and implement them right away. That's not the case once you get elected, is it? You can't just come in and fix everything right away. No, that's right. And and what you find out is you're, in my case, you're one of, of seven people that you have to build consensus with folks. In our case, anything needed to pass had to have four people. That's just the elected officials. And then you've got a whole bureaucracy, and I don't mean that in a negative term, but the whole city staff that's ultimately running the city on a day-to-day basis, that has their own ideas, right? <laughs> They're the professionals, and and some of them are great, and, and some of them aren't, but that's all right. But that's who you got to work with within this. So 
yeah, things move slowly. And I think that's by design. And I think that's probably healthy. But one thing I did find was, was things only happen when we work together. So what I love about in Texas in particular and in Denton, our council races are nonpartisan. No one's running with an R or a D or an I or something else beside their name. And that actually has the impact of you actually being able to work together to get things done. So having that sense of, I need these guys. So there might be some case in which they've got something that I'm not that interested in, but I want to help them because they can help me out. And that's just the, <laughs> that's just the underbelly of, of politics, of the sausage grinding of, of policy and working things through. Uh, but then there's also just a lot of realizing you need to persuade. And again, this is a, a lost art, I think, in becoming much more of something you're not going to find. And that's people saying, not only do I have an opinion, but I've got to assume that there's a lot of people who don't agree with me. I need to persuade them to come alongside. So I don't need to just say I'm right and everyone else is wrong who doesn't agree with me. I need to actually come alongside folks and and attempt to persuade them over time. And so that becomes a huge part of being on council. The other thing that I found out is that once you're on city council, folks come out of the woodwork and get in your ear all the time. And, and a lot of that's good. It's just folks you're running into when you're dropping your kids off at school or whatever, whoever has an issue or question, that's legitimate. But there's just a lot of noise out there. And the folks who tend to hold kind of the extremist positions on any particular issue tend to be the ones that are the loudest. And they tend to be the ones that show up. They tend to be the ones that email you incessantly. They write nasty things about you in the paper. And it's real easy early on to lose your orientation about who should I be listening to. In my case, I'm in a city of 130,000 people. And just because 20 really angry, passionate people show up to a council meeting one night doesn't mean that's how I need to be representing the city. And so it, it's hard because you always feel like you got to have your ear to the ground, but you also have a, have a sense of what's the bigger picture here. And that just takes a little bit of, again, getting to have your trusted advisors around you who you can lean on to, to really get a sense of what's going on in your community. Uh, and that sounds like such a difficult balance too, Kevin, because we want to respect of our constituents and respect their opinions and their thoughts regarding the city. But like you said, we can't have it deter our core message while we're running for council in the first place. I commend you for getting that balancing act right for your six years in council in Denton. It's big time. I don't know that I got it right, but it was all progress. <laughs> Very good. So I'm going to have a, a strong sounds concepts related question. So a lot of our readers are inspired to run for council because they've been reading the strong towns blog for a while. And they're envisioning what their city would look like if it adopted the strong towns concepts. I know this relates a lot to what you just hit on, but once selected, how can a person get their peers behind Strong Towns concepts and apply them? I think people need to travel a little bit to see examples of what really healthy cities look like, feel like, act like, uh, and are run like. And so I, I know, at least from my point of view with other council members that I've served with, and we would have occasion to go to conferences in other cities or whatnot. And we always try to make it a point to say, let's go visit their downtown area. Let's go visit uh, what they're proud of in terms of their city. And let's talk to their policymakers about how they how they did that. So I think just experiencing good examples around the country and, and even around the world are probably the best way for people to do that. I always go on walks with folks uh, in my own community. Um, I think it's a good way to experience it there. I mean, take, for instance, a, a crosswalk that, that doesn't feel good to a mom and her kids in a stroller. Getting somebody to go and, and mimic that experience 
is better than arguing about it on the dais at a city council meeting. Uh, traffic engineer convinced that it's safe because there hasn't been X number of fatalities in the last two years or something like that. So I think that that personal experience with your built environment around you and what feels good and what doesn't is crucial. But, you know, even if you can't experience all those things, uh, like Strong Towns and others, there's a lot of great people writing about this stuff that's filled with data-backed science of what works and what doesn't work in cities. And so I think I always would share articles all the time. I'd share books uh, all the time with my colleagues and constituents who had questions or issues or wanting to explore something. I've even had book group discussions for working through uh, different books. I remember the early days, I would get other people to read Jane Jacobs with me. Cool. Just whoever wanted to nerd out about you know, an early view of urbanism in, in our country uh, from someone like her. So those are some suggestions that I have. But um, I think just having conversations and living it and experiencing it is the best case. Yeah. And I'm so happy you mentioned sharing articles and books because right now that's really the easiest approach for a lot of people, whether they're trying to encourage a peer to join them in starting a neighborhood association or convince their colleagues on council is that they read an article and they choose to share it. When it comes to council, how do you complement these articles that might be talking about ending parking minimums in Buffalo, New York and pair it with what's happening locally? How do you convince your colleague, hey, even though this isn't talking about Denton, this is how it relates to Denton? Yeah, I think you hope to find those colleagues that are kind of driven by data-driven decision-making, or certainly want to encourage that. And so whether you're seeing something coming out of Buffalo or Portland or, or some other city, I think they can see those and those would be appealing to them. Again, I think with a lot of these sorts of issues like parking minimums, um, there's all sorts of things that end up becoming anecdotal in nature that ends up causing us to fear even what the data shows us, right? So you can have data that says, hey, this leads to this, that, or the other kind of economic betterment or um, property value uh, increase or even health impacts. But everyone's worried that there's not going to be enough parking for whatever, whatever happens to be, right? And so you end up anecdotes tend to drive. And so the one way I found that that counter even anecdotes, I mean, I we had it in the early days of the uh, better block approach coming out of Dallas, we had an example in our town and, and we even encouraged us to do that on, on smaller uh, scales, but to where you can actually encourage folks. Again, I'll go back to being able to, to experience it. You're, you're concerned about something like back in parking. Let's try it for a day and see what it's like. You're concerned about a sidewalk going in this part of town. Let's try it for a day and see what it's like. And that way you, you change the normal conversation, which tends to be filled with people's fears that drive why they don't want something or why they want something and instead counter that with, well, let's test your hypothesis. That's an hypothesis. Let's see whether that ferrets out in real life. Yep. Unbiased approach. Let's just try it out and see if it can be something that improves our neighborhood. I love it. And for listeners who aren't familiar with Better Block, which Kevin mentioned, I'll make sure to include a link in the show notes. It's this great, I guess the best way to call it is place-making startup perhaps, but they'll come to your town, wherever you are internationally. So the example that Kevin's alluding to, we had Sherman Street in Denton, Texas, and there's an abandoned parking lot. And Jason Roberts at Better Block rolled up and 
helped us envision what this block could look like by having little pop-up booths and uh, DIY crosswalks. And it was beautiful. And sadly, it didn't come to fruition, but it really helped jog the imagination of our community. And I'll make sure to include a link to what they're doing in the show notes. So, Kevin, my final question for you, and this is the question that I'll end all future episodes with, how does this specific action, running for city council, make our town stronger? Well, I think we need more and more good people with good ideas uh, stepping into the ring to serve. There's always going to be folks who want to step into the ring for this, that, or the other agenda uh, that may or may not be healthy for your community. And there's a lot of folks with a lot of good reasons not to run that they could run, right? I think it makes a community stronger when you have a lot of really great people to choose from. (laughs) I'd love a ballot in which Man, I'm loved and fired up by, you know, three of the people running for the same position uh, because that means you're going to get the best in those spots. And our cities deserve that. It it just takes a bit of a sacrifice, but we need everyone coming to the table. And again, if it's not city council, uh, do something in your neighborhood, do something in your community. Uh, We need everyone. Beautiful. Well, Kevin, I appreciate so much taking the time to chat and sharing your your wisdom and expertise with us. If anyone wants to connect with you afterwards, maybe ask you a question regarding council, where can people find you online? Sure. They can find me on Twitter at Kevin Roden, K-E-V-I-N-R-O-D-E-N. And that's probably a good public place to start the discourse and we can continue it from there. Well, Kevin, thanks again. Enjoy the day and we will talk very soon. Thanks, Jacob. It's been great talking to you. Awesome. Bye, Kevin. Bye.